0: this broadcast with some breaking news some viewers may find this news disturbing we have confirmation i repeat confirmation of beings from the sky our first report here comes from new hampshire kidnapped by beings from zeta reticuli barney and betty hill were an american couple that claimed to be abducted by extraterrestrials in the rural portion of new hampshire that took place on September 19th to the 20th of 1961. The incident came to be called the Hill's Abduction and the Zeta Reticuli Incident. Two ufologists connected the star map shown to Betty Hill with the Zeta Reticuli System. The story was adapted into a best-selling 1966 book, The Interrupted Journey, The night and a 1975 television film, The UFO Incident. The Hills lived in Portsmouth, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. Benny was employed by the U.S. Postal Service, and Betty was a social worker active in the Utarian, utarian congregation. I apologize for the, mispr- for the mispronunciation. They had seen humanoid forms wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Red lights on what appeared to be bat wing fins on their ship began to telescope out from the sides of the craft and a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The silent craft approached within roughly 50 to 80 feet overhead. That is what Barney had reported on October twenty-second, 1961, to the National Investigation Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, or NICAP. The investigator Walter Webb added that Barney had reported that the beings were somehow not human. Disturbing news indeed. and impulses they could not explain. Betty insisted their luggage be kept near the back door rather than in the main part of the house. Their watches would never work again. Barney said that the leather strap of the binoculars he had used to observe the craft was torn, though he could not recall it tearing. The toes of his best dress shoes were scraped. Barney says he was compelled to examine his genitals in the bathroom, though found nothing unusual. Thank God. Thank God. They took long showers to remove possible contamination, and each drew a picture of what they had observed. Perplexed, the hills say they had tried to reconstruct a chronology of the events as they they had witnessed them. But immediately after they had heard buzzing sounds, their memories became incomplete and fragmented. After sleeping for two hours, Betty awoke and placed the shoes and clothing she had worn during the drive into her closet, observing that the dress was torn at the hem, zipper, and lining. Later, when she retrieves the items from her closet, she noted a pinkish powder on her dress. She hung the dress on the clothesline and the pink powder blew away in the breeze, but the dress was irreparably damaged. She threw it away, but then changed her mind retrieving the dress and hung it back in her closet. Over the years, five laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analyses on the dress. Sam. Betty and Barney experimented with a, with a compass, noting that when it moved into the, close to the spots, the needle would whirl rapidly. But when they moved it a few inches away from those shiny spots, it would drop down back to normal. Odd occurrences. <clears throat> Walter N. Webb, a Boston astronomer and NICPA member, met with the Hills on October twenty-first, 1961. In a six-hour interview, the Hills related all they could remember about the UFO incident. Barney stated that he had discovered a mental block and that he had suspected that there were some portions of the event that he did not wish to remember. He described in detail all that he could remember about the craft and the appearance of the somehow-not-human figures aboard the Webb stated that they were telling the truth And the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any such observation. Human judgment can be flawed, after all, when it comes to time, visibility, and apparent sizes, judging from distance. 10 days after the alleged UFO encounter Betty began having a series of vivid dreams which continued for 5 successive nights she stated that she experienced them with a degree of detail and intensity that she had never before after the 5th night they stopped and never recurred though they occupied her thoughts during the day when she remembered them to when she mentioned them to Barney he was sympathetic but not too concerned and the matter was dropped Betty did not mention them to Barney again. But in November of that very year, nineteen sixty one, Betty began writing down the details of her dreams. In one dream, she and Betty here she and Barney, excuse me, encountered a roadblock, and men who surrounded their car. She lost consciousness but struggled to regain it. Then she realized that she had been she was being forced by two small men to walk into the forest at night. And she was able to see that Barney was walking behind her, though when she called to him, he seemed to be in a trance or sleepwalking. The men stood about five feet and to five foot four inches. They wore matching blue uniforms and caps similar to those worn by military cadets. They appeared nearly human. Black hair, dark eyes, prominent noses, and bluish lips. However, their skin was a grayish color. Odd indeed. She and Barney were taken to their car, where the leader suggested they, they wait and watch the craft's departure. They did so, and then resumed their drive home. Having read Webb's initial report, Jackson and Homan had many questions for the Hills. One of their main questions was about the length of the trip. Although the Hills had noted that they had ride home later than anticipated, the 178 mile drive had taken them about four hours. They did not realize they had arrived home seven hours after their departure from Colebrook. When Homan and Jackson noted the discrepancy of, to the hills, the couple had no explanation, a phenomenon UFOologists call missing time. The hills claim to recall most nothing of the 35 miles of U.S. Route 3 between Lincoln at Indian Head and Ashland. Both claimed to recall an image of a fiery orb sitting on the ground. Betty and Barney reasoned that it must have been the moon, but Homan and Jackson informed them that the moon had set earlier in the evening. The subject of hypnosis came up, and it was decided that it should be carried out in, in order to recover previously irretrievable memories. Barney was apprehensive, but thought it might help Betty put to rest what Barney described as the nonsense about her dreams. On November 23rd, 1962, the Hills attended a meeting at the parsonage of their church. Parsonage, excuse me, of their church, where Captain Ben H. Sweat of the U.S. Air Force was a guest speaker. Having had an interest in hypnosis, the Hills approached Sweat privately and related their strange encounter. Sweat was particularly interested in the missing time of the Hills account. The Hills asked if he would hypnotize them to recover their memories, but... Sweet declined and cautioned them against an amateur hypnotist such as himself. Under hypnosis, Barney reported that the binocular strap had broken when he ran from the UFO back to his car. He recalled driving the car away from the UFO, but afterward he felt irresistibly compelled to pull off the road and drive into the woods. He eventually sighted six men standing in the dirt road. The car stalled, and three of the men approached the car. They told Barney not to fear them. He was still anxious, and he reported that the leader told Barney to close his eyes while hypnotized. Barney said it felt like the eyes had been pushed into his head. Barney described the beings as generally similar to Betty's hypnotic, not-to-dream recollection, but beings often shared and stared into his eye- The beings often stared into his eyes with a terrifying, mesmerizing effect. Under hypnosis, Bonnie said things like, Oh, those eyes. They're in my brain. From his first hypnosis session. And I was told to close my eyes because I saw two eyes coming close to mine and I felt like their eyes had pushed into mine. There's a quote from his second hypnosis session. And all I see are these eyes. I am not afraid that they are not connected to to a body. Hmm. They're just there. They're just up close to me, pressing against my eyes. While Betty reported a conversation with the leader in English, Barney said that he had heard them speaking in a mumbling language he did not understand. Betty also mentioned this detail. The few times they communicated with him, Barney said it seemed to be thought transference. At that time, he he was unfamiliar with the word telepathy. Meanwhile, while Betty was under hypnosis, the account was similar to her five dreams about the UFO abduction, with some notable differences, mainly pertaining to her capture and release. Also, the technology on the craft was different. The short men differed significantly in physical appearance, and sequential order of the abduction deferred. Bar- Barney and Betty's memories in hypnotic regression were, however, consistent with one another. In conclusion, Simon wrote an article about the Hills for the journal psychiatric opinion, explaining his conclusion that the case was a singular psychological aberration. The Hills went back to their regular lives, where they were willing to discuss the alleged UFO encounter with friends, family, and the occasional UFO researcher. But the Hills apparently made no effect to s- no effort to seek publicity. However, on October 25th, 1965, a front-page story in the Boston Traveler asked UFO Chiller, Did they seize couple? Reporter John H. Luttrell of the Traveler had allegedly been given an audio tape recording of the lecture the Hills had made in the Quincy Center in late 1963. Luttrell learned that the Hills had undergone hypnosis with Simon. He also obtained notes from a confidential interviews The Hills had given to UFO investigators on October 26, United Press International UPI picked up Luttrell's story and the Hills earned international attention in 1966 writer John G. Fuller secured a co- with the cooperation of the Hills and Simon wrote the book The Interrupted Journey about the case the book included a copy of Betty's sketch of the star map the book was a quick success and went through several printings Sadly, in 1969, Barney had died at the age of 46, after which Betty had went on to become a celebrity in the UFO community. In 2004, she had passed, having never remarried. May they rest in peace. Now was this case real? Or was it a figment of the hill's imaginations? I'll leave that up to you, dear listener. On other news, we have another headline for you. Most of us have heard of the Bermuda Triangle, where planes and ships have mysteriously gone missing in the Atlantic Ocean for decades. But what if I were to tell you there was a similar one in the Mojave? That's right. In the Sierra Nevada Mountains in Nevada and California, some two thousand planes have been lost in the last sixty years. In this remote populated area of more than twenty five thousand miles of mountain desert, many plane crashes were never found. The triangle is located Excuse me, the Triangle is translated by Las Vegas, Nevada to the southwest, southeast, and Fresno, California in the west, and Reno, Nevada at the top. Inside this wilderness is the mysterious Area 51 Along with the dozens of conspiracy theories that include UFOs and paranormal activity surrounding the Air Force Base, similar theories have been long considered regarding this Nevada Triangle. Many of the missing planes were flown by experienced pilots throughout these many years and disappeared under mysterious circumstances. But the wreckage is never found. One such plane to go missing was That of a record-setting aviator, sailor, and adventurer Named Steve Fawcett On September 3rd, 2007 Fawcett flying a single-engined Belica Super Declothon Declothon Excuse the pronunciation I've never seen that word before Over in Nevada's great basin desert He took off and never returned After hunting for a month for the plane The search was called off and on November, on February 15th, 2008, Fawcett was declared dead. Later that year, on September 29th, Fawcett's identification cards were discovered in the Sierra Nevada mountains in California by a hiker. A few days later, the crash site was discovered, approximately 65 miles from where the aviator initially took off. Two bones were later discovered, a half a mile from the crash site, which, is, which was found to have belonged to Steve Fawcett. Concerning information indeed. One of the earliest planes lost to the triangle includes a story dating back 70 years when a B-24 bomber crashed in the Sahara Nevada Mountains in 1943. The bomber, taking flight on December 5th, was piloted by 2nd Lieutenant Willis Turvey and co-piloted by 2nd Lieutenant Robert M. Hester. Carried four other crew members, including 2nd Lieutenant William Thomas Cronin, serving as navigator 2nd Lieutenant Ellis H. Fish, Bombardier and Sergeant Robert Bursey, engineer, as well as Howard A. Wintek, as the radio operator. The flight was routine; was a routine night training mission, taking off from Fresno, California, Hammersfield, Field, destined to Bakersfield, California, to Tucson, and then to return. An extensive search began the next day when nine B-24 bombers were sent out to find the missing plane. However, rather than finding it. Yet another bomber went missing. On the morning of December 6, 1943, Squadron Commander Captain William Darden lifted off among the eight other B-24s. Captain Darden, his airplane, and the remaining crew would not be seen until 1955, when Huntington Lake Reservoir was drained for repairs to the dam. The investigation into the second bomber's loss stated "'Stated that Darden had experienced high wind turbulence and began to lose hydraulic pressure. "'When the captain saw what looked like snow-covered clearing, he told his crew to bail out. "'But only two jumped. "'The investigation stated that the pilot must have mistaken the frozen lake for a clearing. "'However, the two soldiers who parachuted from the plane and survived made statements that the lake was not frozen. "'When the plane was finally found, it was resting 190 feet below the water, "'with its five crew members still at their stations.' In the meantime, Clinton Hester, the co-pilot's father, Robert Hester, in the first missing plane, began a private search for his son that would last for the next 14 years. When he died of a heart attack in 1959, he he still had not found his son or the missing plane evidence. A year later, however, it would be found in July 1960 by United States Geological Survey researchers working in a remote section of the High Sierra west of the Conte Canyon. In Sequoia and King Canyon National Parks. There they found the pl- airplane wreckage in and near an unnamed lake. Later, any Army investigators revealed the wreckage to be that of the first missing bomber pilot by 2nd Lieutenant William Turvey and a co-pilot piloted by 2nd Lieutenant Robert M. Hester. The lake is now known as Hester Lake. So what exactly is causing aircraft to go missing within the Nevada Triangle? Conspiracy theorists have long claimed the reason for so many flights have disappeared and is connected to the presence of Area 51, where the US Air Force is known to test secret prototype aircraft. But uh, experts believe that disappearances can be attributed to the area's geography and atmospheric conditions. The Sierra Nevada mountains run perpendicular to the jet stream, or high Pacific winds, which can with the sheer high-altitude peaks and wedge-shaped range of, to create volatile, unpredictable winds and downdrafts. This weather phenomenon is sometimes called the Mountain Wave, where planes are seemingly ripped from the air and crash. Disturbing instances indeed. Will you be joining us to fly through the Nevada Triangle? Lastly, we have an incident from Brazil, Barginha, Brazil specifically. In 1966, residents claimed to see one or more strange creatures and at least one unidentified flying object. Other associated claims include the capture of one or more extraterrestrial beings by the Brazilian authorities. There's animal fatalities at a zoo and a woman impregnated by an extraterrestrial reports had garnered an extensive media coverage at the time. According to the media reports, the creature was sighted on the afternoon of January 20th, 1966. Excuse me, 1996. By three women ranging from 14 to 22 years old, the woman described the creature as a large-headed biped with spots like veins on the skin and some bumps on the head. The eyes were red bald. The creature, later, determined, later termed the E.T. de Bargina, seemed to be wobbly or unsteady. The girls assumed it was sick or injured. The women said they had fled and told their mother they had seen the devil. Rumors afterwards spread through the area. People claiming to have seen UFOs in the days prior. Later claims from made of additional unidentified creatures being collected and observed at a hospital by the military police and government with trucks and personnel being active in the area. An unidentified animal prowling a local forest resulting in the death of a police officer. Unexplained animal deaths occurring at the local zoo as well. Ufologists would later allege links between these and other claims including the claim that one of the initial creatures witnesses was impregnated by the creature an official inquiry led by the brazilian military concluded in 2010 that a young woman had encountered a homeless man whom the commander of the 21st 24th police battalion military presented photographs of a man known as madino who probably has some mental disability and whose physical characteristics match the description which make it likely that this citizen Probably being dirty due to the heavy rains and seen crouching by a wall was mistaken by the three terrified girls as a space creature. The head of the official inquiry reported that the military trucks and personnel were performing routine duties on the night they were observed. Stating the presence of the firefighters and the parking lot of the army trucks in the vicinity is due to periodic maintenance duties. And the department of the ESSA vehicles were in fact, were real facts. ...incorrectly interpreted as firefighters and military preparing to capture and later transport of the alleged creature. Brazilian authorities also reported that the aliens allegedly seen in the hospital were actually an expectant couple who had dwarfism. Skeptic Brian Dunning criticized sensational media accounts and ufologists' claims. According to Dunning, "...it is the most compelling example of a case where literally nothing at all happened." that was remotely unusual, and was magnified into a case considered unassailable proof of an alien visitation by many. For those believers, I will suggest recalibrating where you set your bar for the quality of evidence. End quote. We'll let you decide the truth, dear listener. These disturbing articles have been brought to you by us. Now, we now return you to your regularly scheduled program. What? What was that?